The end of this week's parsha, the Abishter gives Avram Avinu the mitzvah of bris mila to circumcise himself and all of the male members of his household. And from this point and on, Avram becomes the pioneer of the mitzvah of bris mila and inherits the mitzvah, gives over the mitzvah to his children and his descendants for generations to come. Avram Avinu is so prominent in the mitzvah of Mila that when we make the, the mitzvah, when we do the mitzvah, the bracha that's made is to enter him into the covenant of Avram Avinu. Which raises a question. A mitzvah that we do, any mitzvah that we do, is because Hashem gave us the mitzvah through Moshe Rabbeinu. Especially we know that the Ya'avis did all the mitzvahs and nevertheless, after Matan Teira, the mitzvahs take on a different uniqueness for us. So the mitzvah of bris is being done because Hashem gave us this mitzvah through Moshe Rabbeinu. So why are we attributing the mitzvah to Avram Avinu? Especially in the words of the bracha, which means the covenant of Avram Avinu, we should say, in the bris of Hashem, that the whole purpose of the bris is a covenant between this child and Hashem. Why are we saying the words and not So in order to explain this, we have to understand the idea of a bris. What happens? What is the spiritual significance of a bris? The Alter Rebbe says in Shulchan Aruch that that the entrance of the nefesh or the kiss of the holy nefesh into the person is by the bris. Now, even when the baby is in the mother's womb, we know that the baby is taught the entire Torah. So clearly the baby already has a connection to Kedusha, already has a nefesh. Nevertheless, when the baby is in the mother's womb, the baby's identity is one with the mother. It is totally dependent on the mother. That's all we know about the baby, is its dependence on the mother. Even after the baby is born, and now is independent from the mother, but all we can see on the baby, all we see from our external perspective is the physicality of the baby. We see a, a body, a goof. Only once the baby has a bris, where something is changed on the body of the baby, do we see the impact of the neshama on the goof. So the reason the Alter Rebbe says that the entrance of the neshama into the guf is on the day of the bris, because that's when the bond of the neshama and the guf happen in a way that the guf is changed physically because of this bond, and it remains that way for the rest of its life. So when does, does the neshama enter the body in a way that it changes the body? That's on the day of the bris. And that's actually the advantage of the mitzvah of bris over any other mitzvah. Many mitzvahs utilize the physical body. If we're using our hands to give tzedakah, if we're using our legs to go to shul or to run to do a mitzvah, we're using our physical body to do the mitzvah. But nothing changes on the body before or after the mitzvah was done. The mitzvah of bris, something changes on the physical body. And therefore, the mitzvah of bris is unique because of the impact that it has on the physical. This is why there is an advantage of the mitzvah of bris mila over the bris, the covenant that happened between the Eibishter and the Yidden at Matan Torah. There was also a Christus bris 
at Har Chayrev, which is Har Sinai. And the difference is that by Har Sinai, not everybody was physically present. Not every neshama from all the, every neshama was there, but not every guf, not every body from all the generations was present. And even those who were there at the time, the krisis bris came through something that the neshama heard with its ear. It wasn't something that had a physical impact on the person. But by the mitzvah of bris, like we just said, something changes physically, and therefore that is the ultimate Bris, the ultimate covenant with Hashem, when we do a mitzvah that actually has a change in the physical world. And that's the whole concept of the mitzvah of bris. That the baby at eight days old, before it developed a mind, intellect, feelings, when it is just at the beginning of its journey on this world, we make a change, a covenant, on the physical body that will remain with this child for all eternity. That's the idea of bris, the impact that it has on the physical world and on the physical person. Now let's go back to the bracha la'achnisi bebrisishil Avraham Avinu. And let's point out something else about Avraham Avinu, that Avraham Avinu is known for the 10 tests, especially the Akedas Yitzchak, he was ready to sacrifice his son on Har HaMiriyah. So the Pri Haaretz, a Hasidic Rebbe, by the name of Rebbe Nachem Mendel of Haradok, asks a question. He says, many Yidin throughout the ages sacrificed their lives or experienced persecution because of their faith in Hashem. What is so unique about Avraham Avinu? Why does he get so much credit for these Tennis Yainas and for Akedas Yitzchak when thousands of Yidin throughout the generations experienced Mesidas Nefesh because of their faith in Hashem? And he explains that Avram Avinu was the first. Avram Avinu was the first and it's the hardest to be the first. When someone else does something before you, that gives you inspiration or motivation to try it as well. But when nobody else did it before you, it's very hard to be the first. And Avram, by being the first one to allow himself to be tested in that way and to overcome the tests, he opened up the pathway for all of us to experience uh, a tests or mesidus nefesh along the way. What's greatest about Avraham Avinu is that he was the first. Now, if we were to apply that to bris, you can't say the same thing about bris. Avraham Avinu was the first, but that doesn't inspire or motivate anybody else that comes after it. Because when you're eight days old and you are not able to psychologically understand or emotionally experience bris, the fact that someone else went through it before you doesn't help you. It doesn't make you feel any better that someone else did it before you. Because you're eight days old. You're a baby. And even if it's an adult that's going through a bris, even if they psychologically understand it or emotionally are prepared for it, they still have to experience physical pain. And nobody wants to experience physical pain. Even if someone else did it before you. So therefore, when a yid has a bris, it's as if they are the first person ever having a bris. They are given credit as if nobody ever had a bris before them. And that's why we say, Because every Yid is like Avram Avinu. Every Yid is the pioneer when it comes to bris. Every Yid is the first one to have a bris as if nobody ever had a bris before them. And this explains to us one more detail. Why is it that bris entails pain? 
Seemingly, if this is a mitzvah, especially a mitzvah that's connecting us with Hashem, it should be connected with simcha, with joy. Like it says, is Hashem simcha, every mitzvah is supposed to bring joy and happiness. Certainly a mitzvah like bris. Why does the mitzvah of bris entail pain? And the answer is that it's natural that when there's going to be a bris, there's going to feel pain. If Hashem took away the pain from bris, then it wouldn't be a total, true physical experience. It would be a miracle. It would be something supernatural. The whole purpose of bris, we explained, is that it should impact the physical body and the physical person and the physical world. So therefore, it has to contain all the parameters of physicality, of the world. And in the world, when there's a cut, there's pain. So therefore, there has to be pain in order for it to be a truly full-fledged physical experience in order for it for the spirituality for the spirituality of it to impact the physical world and that's why there has to be pain because it has to be something real for this physical world there's a very special lesson that could be taken from this with regards to our shlichas on this world every yid is given a shlichas a mission on this world sometimes that mission comes with hardships with difficulty with pain so we're not supposed to look for pain. We're not supposed to try to find difficult situations. But if we're given a shlichus, then we're given the kayak, we're given the abilities to fulfill it, even though there's pain involved. And we shouldn't try to say to ourselves, oh, I can't do this. We shouldn't trust ourselves because we are subjective. We're biased to ourselves. We think, oh, this is too difficult for us. But we should trust the Mishaleach. We should trust the sender who sent us on Shlichus, who knows us objectively and knows that we're able to fulfill the Shlichus, even though it entails hardship and pain. And when we rely on the Mishaleach and we dedicate ourselves to our Shlichus, we could be, we could rest assured that we will be successful in our Shlichus and ultimately it will be done with great joy because we'll, we will know that we are fulfilling our mission to make a a dwelling place for Hashem, and that itself will give us the joy that we fulfilled the shlichus, and we weren't stopped by the hardships, and we weren't distracted by the pain, but we did our shlichus, we fulfilled it, and we fulfilled it happily and successfully.